Welcome to the Zen Stoic Path. In this episode, I'm going to be diving into exactly what Zen Stoic philosophy is. So as I was saying in the previous episode, this is a special edition of the Zen Stoic Path, as this is being recorded the week following my 30th birthday. And my birthday is a significant time of year. If you listened to the last episode, you'll know that this is not just the time of my birthday, but also the anniversary of my mother's passing from when I was a kid. And it's a very significant time because it was it was pivotal in my development as a person, but also as my inspiration for doing what I do each and every day. It is the event that drove me to want to be the warrior in the garden rather than the gardener in the war. And it's essentially what Zen Stoicism is all about, is that notion. And so what we're going to be going through today is what Zen Stoicism is and how it helps people to create unshakable inner peace within themselves when they practice these things. Now to go into it a little bit, Zen Stoicism is a hybrid philosophy between Zen Buddhism and Stoicism, as you've maybe picked up as you've been listening to this podcast. But it does have a difference between the two of them. And the way that I'll begin to explain it is by going into what Stoicism is first. Now, Stoicism is based on the four virtues, which are wisdom, justice, temperance, and courage. And these four virtues are essentially how one lives a virtuous life, and the pursuit of these four virtues is what creates the good life. And in Stoicism, we can't always control what happens in our lives, but we can control how we respond to it, and we can always respond with one of these four virtues. But what I've realized over practicing the philosophy of Stoicism in my own life as well as practicing Zen, is that each of the philosophies or ways of being have some inherent flaws where one supplements the other very well, and they integrate and harmonize very well together. And the reason why I bring up the four virtues is because one thing that I've learned is that you can do and say all the right things in life, but that doesn't necessarily lead to a place of unshakable inner peace. An unshakable inner peace, in essence, is the ability to stay centered no matter what's going on around you. The ability to accept yourself regardless of whether or not you get what you want or you win or you lose or things happen as you expected them to or not. The whole essence of it is can you accept yourself and embrace yourself fully? And that is what it is to have unshakable inner peace. It doesn't mean that you're not going to go through tough times. It doesn't mean that you're not going to experience challenges. But what it does mean is that you're not going to fall apart when these things happen. And for a lot of my life, I felt like the gardener in the war, being unprepared for the events that life brought my way, the inevitable storms, beginning with the death of my mom, which is why she's such a huge inspiration, which is why she's such a huge inspiration to me and why I do what I do each and every day. So when we think about the four virtues of stoicism, these are doing and saying the right things, acting in the right ways. But even if we do and say the right things, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to accept ourselves because, technically speaking, we can lie to other people. We can do and say all the right things. We can be praised for it. We can be rewarded for it even. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to accept ourselves nor have a sense of unshakable inner peace. Because what does actually give us unshakable inner peace is our ability to self-accept in all situations and contexts. And Zen Stoicism really focuses on the one part that we cannot hide from ourselves no matter what. And that is 
our own intentions for why we do what we do. And so Zen Stoicism is broken into what are called the four intentions of humanity and the four intentions of delusion. You're always intending something. The question is, in what direction are you intending? Now, these are not necessarily about right and wrong, good or bad, but the intentions of humanity are intentions that align you with your human nature. And the intentions of delusion are that which put you further away from your nature, which estrange you from your nature as a human being and get you further away from yourself in an attempt to conquer yourself or your environment or those around you. So when we think about the intentions and the delusions, we think about what is the internal feeling, the internal compass pointing at? Because Zen is not necessarily a philosophy, but it is a way of liberation. And Zen is best described, or at least the teachings of Zen are best described, as pointing to the truth, but not necessarily telling you what to do. Your intentions are how you point, and whatever you're pointing at is going to dictate the quality of your experience, the quality of your emotions. So in this first episode, we're going to be going through the first intention of humanity and the first intention of delusion. In short, we'll call them the intentions and the delusions. Now, the reason why we use intentions is because intentions function as a governing system, and your emotions that you feel in any given moment can act as a compass to indicate which direction you're pointing in. If you're having an intention that's coming from the place of delusion, you'll probably feel some degree of unpleasant feeling, versus if you have an intention that's coming from the place of humanity, you'll feel some kind of peace or calm or centeredness. There won't be any kind of jitters or uncomfortable emotional feeling that you're getting. Now, this is one way of indicating, but ultimately you can look to how you're feeling to really examine where you're at. And that's why with Zen Stoicism, we always talk about understanding and listening to your emotions, not necessarily calling them positive or negative, good or bad, but pleasant and unpleasant. Your emotions are always trying to tell you something and they will give you some insight into the quality of your actual intention. So if intentions are the one thing that we can't hide from our, <clears throat> so intentions being the thing that we can't hide from ourselves, in Zen Stoicism, there are four intentions, four delusions. So we're going to go through each one. Now, each intention and delusion is counter to another one. So the first ones that we're going to be going through in this episode are the intention of embrace and the delusion of resistance. So embrace. Embrace comes from the outlook that you have on life and your experience. To embrace is to take in fully, enthusiastically, what is. Not wishing it were different, not wishing you were different, but accepting things as they are. And where this is inspired from, it has its roots in Stoicism, with the concept of amor fati, which is to love your fate. This was spoken about a lot by Nietzsche, and this idea of not necessarily just dealing with or enduring your fate and the circumstances in which you are in, but actively loving it, the good and the bad, the pleasant and the unpleasant. And to embrace is to not want things to necessarily change, but to be completely present in the now, to love the path, the pleasant and the unpleasant, the difficult as well as the easy experiences in life. 
And when you embrace, the essence of it is, it is playing your hand of cards to the best of your ability. It's not about wishing that you had different cards. It's not about looking at someone's cards next to you and comparing your cards to them and wishing that you could have some of their cards or that you could trade them out. And it's not about wishing for cards that you don't have because that does not allow you to embrace the situation. So instead, to embrace is to love the path, as we say with Zen Stoic. Love the path. Embrace the path. Take it all in. Play with the cards that you have. Don't wish that things were easier. Wish you were better. Wish you were better by embracing and focusing on that which you can control in any one situation. If your intention is to embrace and something happens that's inconsistent with what you thought was going to happen, or a change that's unexpected pops up, or an adversity pops up, then it's very much like the concept in Stoicism of the obstacle is the way, where you use the obstacle or the thing that has impeded your action as a way to advance action. Embrace would ask the question, what is the opportunity here now in this situation? Embrace treats everything as a gift. It treats each day as a gift. It takes into account memento mori, the remembering that as a human being, you are fragile, life is temporary, and you are mortal, and life can be taken at any moment. Things can end unexpectedly. And that reflection on your own mortality allows you to embrace life, the fragility of life, that the temporary nature and transient nature of life allows life to have a sense of meaning. It allows your individual experience to have a sense of meaning. And so to embrace is to honor that. It is to recognize that, yes, life is fundamentally meaningless, as in it doesn't have an automatic meaning, that we have to figure something out. There's no preordained meaning that necessarily we're given. We're not given an instruction manual to be a human. So to embrace is to realize that, hey, there's no instruction manual here. Hey, I'll... We don't really know what we're doing here. And to realize that, yes, as human beings, we are sensitive organisms that are fragile. We don't necessarily know why we're here. But to embrace is to have faith that you chose to be here, whether you remember why or not. And so to embrace is to take it all in. It's to respond to and to love what is to use the cards that you have. In other words, the circumstances, the situations that maybe you were born into to the best of your ability because you don't play the game any better by wishing that you had different cards. So to embrace is to use what you got, to focus on what you can control, to remember that life is temporary, to remember that you're mortal and that you're going to do what you can to the best of your ability. But to embrace is also to embrace human nature, to realize that as human beings, we're not here to be by ourselves. Humans thrive through cooperation, through banding together, through connecting with each other, through loving each other. And this is a great gift that we are able to connect with each other. And so to embrace is to embrace that part of your nature of being a social being, to realize, as Marcus Aurelius said, that we are made for each other that it is important for us to contemplate the interconnectedness of our being and who we are as a species. So to embrace is not just to focus on what you can control and respond to what is with the cards that you have, but it's also to 
connect with your human nature, to understand that we all have quirks, we all have you know, things that we like, things that we don't like, we have biases, we have prejudices, we have the capacity for malevolence, we also have the capacity for benevolence and to be good to each other, to realize that we have all these flaws, these things that are not necessarily idealistic about ourselves, but to embrace is to accept that we have the capacity for those flaws, not to try to deny them, not to pretend to be an angel or to pretend to be righteous to people, but to really just accept yourself as a human being and to accept others as a human being. You've probably heard me talk about on this podcast before mentioning Carl Jung and how Alan Watts would describe Carl Jung as the reason why he was such a profound thinker and psychologist is because when he was with his patients, when he was with the people that he worked with, there was always this twinkle in his eye that let you know that no matter how prestigious he was or how deep his expertise went, he always knew that he was always somewhat of a rascal, that in the end he was just a little kid and he accepted that within himself that he had that little kid inside of him no matter what, no matter how much experience he got, and he accepted that in himself, therefore he was able to accept that in others. That is what embrace looks like. When we embrace, we not only make the best of the situation that we have, but we also connect with others. We treat each other well. We don't engage in malevolence or try, and try to cut somebody down or want somebody to lose. Because embrace is to look at everything, every moment, every day, every person as a gift. It is to ask yourself the question, what is the gift here? On the other hand, the counterpart to embrace is resistance. And resistance is to resist your human nature. It is to look at life as something that maybe in your situation you view as a mistake, an error, like you were born into the wrong circumstances, like you're trapped. It is to deny your human nature. It is to self-isolate, to impose isolation upon yourself, to act and be overly invested in the idea or the experience of the individual ego. And we've talked about on this podcast before, the idea of the ego is not something that necessarily exists. Now, when I say it doesn't exist, I don't mean that the experience of the ego is not real. I mean, it is a social institution. It's an idea that we use as a measuring device of our individual experience. It's how we assess ourselves. It's how we have an individual experience is to have an ego. So it's not good or bad, but it is the way that we assess and measure and point to the individual experience. But we must remember that it is not the individual experience. When you have the intention of resistance, you are overly invested in that individual experience, thinking that you are separate from other people, thinking that you are separate from your own human nature. Resistance denies the quirks, the flaws, the things that maybe are not idealistic to be. And when you resist that, you resist your own humanity. You resist others. When you don't accept yourself, you don't accept other people. And other people can feel that in your presence. It puts people on edge when you don't accept yourself. And I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've had the experience where somebody's very comfortable in their own skin and it almost puts you at ease because they accept their own humanity. Therefore, they accept yours. 
And being put at ease comes from that place of embrace. If we resist, then we're resisting life. We're resisting our own humanity. We're resisting our own individuality. And so if you're going into a situation with a sense of resistance, with an intention to resist, an intention to be separate, to somehow isolate yourself from another, you're putting yourself in a delusion. You're denying your own experience. And what we want to remember about these intentions and delusions is that the intentions or the intentions of humanity will give you an experience that is much more peaceful, much more tranquil and centered. Delusions or intentions of delusions are not necessarily wrong, but they will bring about excessive and unnecessary suffering on your path, on your path to awakening yourself or enlightening yourself. You can do so through delusion, but the, par- the process is very painful. So this is not about right and wrong. This is about recognizing where you're at. And so a question you can always ask yourself here is, am I embracing this situation or this person or am I resisting it or them? If you live a life of delusion, you can still become wise. I'm not here to tell you that you shouldn't resist or that you have to embrace. What I'm here saying is that if you live in a place of delusion, the wisdom, the enlightenment will come from your delusions failing on you over and over again until they've created enough significant unpleasant emotion that you realize the futility in pursuing the delusion. And when you realize that, you have your aha moment, your breakthrough moment. And that unpleasant emotion that's generated from the excessive and unnecessary suffering that you could go through gives weight to the intention of humanity that's opposing it or that's counterbalancing it. So both the delusions and the intentions are interconnected and dependent on each other. They give each other meaning. The point is, if you want to live a life of unshakable inner peace, it begins with examining your intentions and allowing your intentions to be coming from a place that allows you to accept yourself easily and effortlessly. If you're resisting yourself with that definition alone, you're not accepting yourself and you will not be creating unshakable inner peace. If you're overly invested in your individual experience or putting too much stock in your own ego, you will not create unshakable inner peace. It's always going to be comparing itself to someone else. It's always going to be comparing your circumstances to what could be. It's going to wish for things to be easier. And when we wish things to be easier, we are praying in essence for our own weakness. We're praying for things to be easier, praying for things to be different, rather than loving, accepting, and being grateful for what is. To be grateful for the present moment and everything that is in front of you is that first step towards embracing. And when you embrace, you relax into your human nature. And that is where that self-acceptance begins. So if you're listening to this now, ask yourself, what about myself Or my life am I resisting? What could I embrace? Or how could I embrace this instead? What if this was a gift? 
what is the opportunity in this situation that I've been ignoring? Ask yourself these questions. They will shed light on what you've been keeping in the shadows. And they will lead you to your unshakable inner peace. In the next episode, we're going to be going through the intention of understanding and the delusion of control. Stay tuned for the next one.